This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 182 of Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility. Hello, Kelvin. Hello, Andy. Well, how are you? It's been a bit of a while. Yeah, that's no, all right. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Yeah, I mean, we've done, we recorded a huge batch of beginner's guides not so long ago, and we've been scheduling those out over the last couple of weeks, and hopefully they've been hitting a good chord with people who perhaps are relatively new to internet marketing. And what I kind of wanted to continue on on that theme today, really, to a certain extent, um, and kind of talk a bit about kind of... Um, Content marketing, which is kind of something that's sort of been around for various, uh, you know, for a number of years and various guises and various kind of approaches that people have been using, but really seems to over the last sort of six months or so really have struck a chord and um, really become something that a lot more people are talking about in the way they promote a business on, online. Now, content uh, marketing, Kelvin, yeah. sounds quite generic. What, what do we mean by content well, marketing? Well, I mean, I, I suppose to kind of sort of set the scene a bit, um, I suppose I'll give you sort of like a short history of, of link building, right? So kind of the logic goes that it used to be very easy and then Google Penguin came along and it became quite hard, right? That's basically the, the sort of like the history of um, link building was sort of, you know, envisaged and now it's a lot more difficult to get genuine editorial links which are going to um, add some value to your site. This is simply not the case. It's always been hard. But there were kind of a lot more sort of shortcuts in the past that people use. So mm. there were kind of ways that we all really implicitly understood, perhaps weren't really doing what the search engines wanted us to do, but they were effective. So people still did them. I mean, a, sort of a prime example of that sort of thing would be things like article spinning, where someone would write one article and they'd probably not pay anyone a huge amount of money to write that article in the first place. And then what they'd do is they'd kind of run that through a machine to kind of take that one simple article that they paid about, I don't know, $5 for and try and generate like 100-odd variations of it using software. And and then syndicate that as wide as they possibly could on websites that would only take that content because there was either some commercial relationship, so effectively they were paying for that content to be syndicated or in some kind of weird co-op where you put, you allowed other people to get links so you could get links in return and all that yes, type but of those days have gone now, haven't they? Really? Yeah, I mean, they're not really that, you know, they, I don't know whether they were ever... Sort of gone. Yeah, whether they were ever that effective. But mm. certainly, the you know, they're a lot less popular now and, you know, they are, um, a, you know, a lot less kind of effective. And I mean, to kind of use a metaphor to kind of explain how it used to, you know, used to work, was kind of the logic was that you didn't necessarily have to get a lot of great links to be successful. Um, you could kind of rely on, if I, to use a metaphor, kind of, pennies and pounds really right so if you imagine that 100 pennies in the uk is equal to a pound right and although the shopkeeper might not like you if you turn up and buy something for a pound of 100 pennies they were essentially the same right and the tactic that most people took was rather than getting more and more pound coins they were just going to get okay how can i get more and more pennies because it'll equal the same now effectively what penguin has done is you know and google with their penguin update have done is to try and kind of make it more like a penny doesn't equal a hundredth of a pound. It might equal two hundredth of a pound or a thousandth of a, of a pound. And suddenly those tactics that you were using to get those pennies isn't really going to work anymore. And, you know, content marketing is really kind of all about getting those good quality links, which are those pound coins, if you can you okay. know, continue the analogy. That's probably a bit laboured and didn't really quite work there. But hopefully that's kind of giving you a sense of what I'm getting at. Now, um, now... It's kind of a question that always gets asked when I'm kind of talking about content marketing. It's like, okay, well, you say part of the reason you're doing this is to get traffic, and part of the reason you're doing this is to get good links, which will help you in the search engines. But the question is, well, what's a 
good link, really. Um, and an idea I've been thinking about and talking about more recently with our clients and our team is kind of the idea of a kind of a proximity to ideal. And if you kind of imagine like a bell graph of the distribution of the quality of your links, um, if you imagine kind of Wikipedia as being the ideal, right? Um, and their distribution of quality and variety of links and number of domains and the anchor text is kind of very normal, right? But most SEO websites don't have that kind of normal distribution. They've got some disproportionately high spikes in areas where they shouldn't do. So perhaps that's, you know, their volume of links, they have lots and lots and lots from low quality, or they have lots and lots and lots with one or two particular okay, keywords. So, so the bell graph is like skewed one end or the other. Yeah, 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 rather than being yeah. kind of distributed in the middle there. So that, you know, that kind of works better when I'm kind of explaining this visually, but to sort of give you a sense of what a good link is, a good link should look like... Um, you know, your distribution, your link portfolio should look normal, right? So it's like a normally linked to website rather than perhaps looking like a website that's been SEO'd. There's also kind of this idea of the um, the random surfer model, which is, I won't go into the details here, and I don't, you know, it's a pattern that's been kind of shared by Google that, you know, that they've applied for. This isn't an granted. SEO expert that goes down to the beach at random time no, surfing. No, 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 right, no. Okay. So kind of, basically, it's, it's, to kind of put it, it's relatively simply, the idea is, is that... Um, um, Google potentially could understand the value of a link on the page based on the likelihood of a random surfer who appears on that page clicking through to that link. Mm. So the logic of that is is that, that like an editorial link within the body is perhaps more valuable on that page than a link from the footer, or a link you know, or one that's kind of hidden away. You know, it's kind of about the relative value of a, a link within a page. And more often than not, the links that SEOs are building, no one who visits that page that's providing that link would ever click that link. So again, a good link is one that was going to send traffic, um, and ultimately, a good link is one that you know. Um, an SEO probably wouldn't build, right? Because it's, you know, it's maybe saying to read more about, and that's mm. the anchor text, mm. and it's kind of within an article that's got 17 other links because there's lots of references in there. Do you see what I mean? It's often what we look for as an SEO in a link isn't actually really the ones that are going to have the most value going forward and at the moment. And ultimately, the kind of good links are ones that you don't feel embarrassed by, right? So if you can, you know, as a SEO working for an agency and you've built this link, you should feel comfortable talking to that, to your client about those links or if you're working in-house and your boss says what links have you what new links have you got on your SEO campaign if they're ones where it's kind of best hyphen directory hyphen free india pr9.net <laughs> you're going to be embarrassed by those and you're never going to want to show them and, and probably if you have been building those links you kind of try and keep it secret the links that you've been building mm. right because your logic is well i won't show you what goes into the sausages the sausages just taste nice well now people want to know what those ingredients are so that's kind of um you know my bits about you know, um, the idea of link building. But to kind of talk about a process for content marketing, right? So the problem that too often comes up when people are talking about content marketing is they'll say, SEO has changed, link building is dead. What you need is a great brand and great content, and that's the extent of their advice. Like somehow producing great content, all you need to know is that you need to do it. Well, this right? goes along with, with content is king, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah. The time. Yeah, it's like, well, amazing, we know that. So how am I going to do anything about that how am i going to produce content that's going to get me attention and links well i wanted to share a process that we've used a bit at site visibility for kind of our link building and also kind of more of our you know content driven social marketing campaigns and at site visibility we love an acronym we've talked about this a few times in the in the past on the podcast but i think it's worth revisiting and that's the idea of a theme strategy we call it so t-h-e-m-e yeah 
So essentially that stands for five things that we do to go through a process of building great content. Now, this works for all sectors, all campaigns, and it's kind of just a framework and a way of thinking, a way of going about content marketing that hopefully takes that takes us from the place where it's, I know I need to build good content, um, and maybe you've got some ideas of some good content, but kind of connecting the dots between the two there and helping you move along that process. So the first of those you know, an acronym. The T in the theme is for tribes. This is kind of a reference to Seth Godin, who you all know we're a bit of a fan of on the the podcast. But essentially, that's about kind of audience development, right? Or audience segments. Mm. So that's kind of trying to understand particular subgroups of people who have the potential to link to your site. And it's worth just making the distinction here that when we're doing this to build links, it's often different from social, right? So um, an example I always use for this is... Uh, We've done some work in the past for job boards, right? And one of the tribes for a job board is university careers departments mm. um, because they have the power to link. They work for authoritative websites. They're able to send traffic through. But those university careers advisors aren't customers of the job board, right? They're not going to apply for those jobs. So sometimes tribes aren't customers, but a lot of the time, sometimes, of but a lot of the time they are. Right, they're just people that might want to come to your site for yeah. one reason or yeah, another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And often there's kind of a big overlap, right? So that you know the people who are customers are probably also the people who have the ability to link. But it's worth thinking about that. And for those tribes, you need to understand them, right? So you need to know what kind of websites they visit, what types of content they like, and you can do kind of like persona development, where it's a kind of we sometimes like find a picture, talk about their background, talk about their demographics, talk about some of their favourite websites, and, and that type of thing. That can be helpful. So that's your first step, and you need like. A, a few of these tribes because different you want different links from different sorts of websites you then need your h in your um theme strategy which is for a hook right so that is what's compelling about your business to that group of people and it's a bit like a unique selling proposition unique selling point you know point of differentiation but there's got to be something compelling about your business to that tribe um now that's sometimes where it can go wrong so say we were working on a job board you know to use my analogy there and continue that and we've gone, okay, a great people we would really like links from is university career services. Brilliant. They're our tribe. We kind of develop them. We understand what interests them. Oh, we don't have any graduate jobs. So therefore, you've mm-hmm. not got a hook for that tribe. So that tribe is, you've got, you've got to write that off because there's nothing about your, why would they link to your business? Because they, you know, they can't do that. So Kelvin, are hooks specific to tribes? So does, yeah, yeah they, definitely, they link to yeah. each tribe? Okay. Yeah, so that, well, that's the way that we work anyway. Yeah. So it's a kind of, you know, that yeah, each hook is com- you know compelling to that audience. So I'll, I'll go through a live example in in a minute for um, a theme strategy that I, I've kind of used. But yeah, it's kind of the hook is connected to a tribe, so you can have like multiple theme strategies running simultaneously. It's only then you then go about producing your engaging content, right? Because too often people go, oh yeah, I've got this great idea for a bit of link bait, and they haven't done those first couple of steps. And I found that if you know exactly who it is you want to link to you before you start the content you're going to be more successful. If you know why they want to link to you, you're going to be more successful. And then you produce the engaging piece of content. And when I say content, I don't just mean written content. I mean video, I mean podcasts, I mean screencasts, I mean white papers, I mean ebooks. I mean, you know, Is, is it better to have a big spread of different types of Well, again, it's sort like- of, it cuts back to the, the tribes. And, you know, do, you know, are people in your sector 
more likely to link to inf- you know are people in those tribes more likely to link to visual content mm. than audio content or do they link to a lot of audio content or or is there lots of people already producing written text content so actually I'd be more likely to be seen as unusual and stand out by doing video mm. you know you can do that sort of thing so yeah it, it's certain I certainly think that a, a big challenge in content marketing is standing out and by doing something in a different media or medium um, is one good way of standing out. And I mean, you know, the, the, you know, I think this, you know, the podcast is a prime example of that. And yeah. the podcast has been really, really successful for us because most people don't, you know, there's not as much, there's thousands, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, you know, SEO and digital marketing blogs. There's a couple of dozen of, you know, decent regular marketing podcasts. And we've been able to rise to the top of that because there's less, comp- you know, we try and do a really good job at it, but it's it's easier and you, you get disproportionate rewards, don't you, by being like one of the, the top ones, yeah, you know, yes. rather than, you know, it's yeah. best to be one of the one or two best internet marketing podcasts on the, on you know, in iTunes than the 150th best marketing blog. You know, there's not a huge amount of reward for being 250th best SEO blog. You know, so yeah, kind of think about that in terms of what. It's almost like being uh, if 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 the pool of fish is smaller, it's easier to get near the top, isn't it? Exactly that. Exactly that. And yeah, I mean, and this engaging content, it's much easier to produce if you understand the who you want to link to you, what's compelling about your business, and that piece of engaging content has to come kind of appeal to that tribe and sort of exemplify that hook, right? Um, and this is a little bit easy to understand when I go through the example, but yeah, that's then, then you know, I won't d- diminish this stage of kind of producing content, but if you've done those two steps previous, it's much easier. Then after that, you kind of need some marketing. And I've, again, this is where we've, we've seen quite a lot of this recently, where people have kind of got the whole idea of content marketing. They've produced something amazing, but then not marketed it. So like we've had like people who have produced some amazing sort of widgets, right, where you can put in information and it'll sp- you know, spit information back out to you that's unique and personal to you that's really compelling, right? And that's the sort of stuff that ought to get loads and loads of links. But they've built it, bunged it in a hidden away corner of their website, and that's it, right? You need outreach approaches. You need to maybe buy some pay-per-click advertising to do it. You need to be having a guest posting strategy to promote your engaging content that you've got. And you really need that marketing program. So these are sort of active outreaching type activities. Yeah, yeah. And, and effectively every piece of content that you produce should have a marketing plan for it. And, you know, if that piece of content is a 140-character tweet, the marketing campaign is not going to be the same as a, you know, 40,000-word ebook. <laughs> but you do need to think about, okay, so when I'm producing my tweet, well, what can I do to increase the likelihood of that tweet being seen, right? And, that, you know, you, you'll be doing that implicitly. Like you'll be going, okay, well, I'll try and say it at the right time of day. Mm. Or I'll actually try and go, okay, well, can I... Um, include a hashtag so someone's more likely to spot it or can I um, at message someone in that who I think potentially would also find that interesting and therefore they're more likely to share it you're doing that type of marketing anyway but are you doing that for every blog post you write or every podcast you produce or every you know um, infographic that you produce maybe you're contacting two or three people but have you done you know, a couple of hours of research of people who you think would find it interesting. Have you contacted them over a series of weeks and built up a rapport and relationship with them to then mention the fact that you're, you know, sharing this content? So you need that marketing. And then to finish off, you need to evaluate the it. Final E of yeah, theme. Of eva- yeah, to evaluate it. And that's kind of the same with any marketing model. You need to step back and kind of say, was that successful? Was that not successful? With the successful ones, how can I do more of that? With the unsuccessful ones, why was it unsuccessful and why can I, how can I do it differently? So, to use a live example of this, right? 
So we recently re- uh, produced, if you're in the UK and work on SEO, I definitely recommend you checking this out, the Brighton SEO Salary Survey. And to many extents, this is sort of a pretty good um, example of a theme strategy. Uh, it's not one for a client, but you know, whenever we use client ones, it's a little bit more complicated to get clearance and approval. So I wanted to use one that I can tell you all the details on. So we produced a salary survey for Brighton SEO. Now, our tribes was quite simple, right? So we understood that there is a world of people who are working in SEO agencies whose job is to... They'll, they'll, it's exactly the same as site visibility. You would say, hey, you know, member of the team, um, we really need you to write a, a blog post this month for us for our site visibility blog. Can you write us something? And often they won't necessarily have anything that struck them as something to write about. So our tribe is this... SEO, you know, SEO agency workers who have to try and find something interesting to write about on their blog. They're potentially, you know, struggling for that. They don't want to write something that lots of people have written about before, but equally they don't want to have to start something from scratch. They want to make it easy for themselves to produce this content. And that kind of, we had those people in mind, right? These people who are writing about SEO for agencies, want something interesting, want something compelling, but don't want to have to spend hours researching something. And then we had our hook. Well, okay, well, what was compelling about the Brighton SEO website that was unique to them? Well, we've got this job board, right? And we've got this relationship with, you know, three or 4,000 SEOs in the UK um, who, you know, fortunately over the series of events that we've we've built up, trust us, right? Mm. So we've got this relationship and, you know, we can get information out of them, right? So we were able to ask, you know, I think it was about 300 we surveyed in the end, how many years have you been working? What's your job title? Where in the country do you work? How much do you get paid, right? So we then produced sort of an infographics. That was our engaging piece of content. But our hook was we had that relationship. We had access okay. to that, that group of people to get that. And so we did the survey and that became the hook. And then the engaging content was the infographic that we built around that, that had kind of where are the best cities to work in the UK if you want to work in SEO? You know, are you better off working in-house than in an agency? And do certain... You know, all kinds of bits of information along those lines, exactly. So that was our engaging piece of content. And, you know, that wasn't a small task. We had, you know, a number of people involved in turning that into a, a pretty shareable, mm. well-designed thing. But it was all from that stage of understanding, well, why do, why are people going to link to us? They're looking for content for their blog. What have we got? We've got a relationship. We've got access to this data that we can do. And then we produced the engaging content. And it was an infographic for this. But, you know, equally, we, you know, we could have done a video with the survey sure. results or we could have done some press releases. In fact, we did a few press releases. Um, or we could have done an in, in, interactive infographic or we could have done a widget, right, that said, put in, you know, we've got this data. I could then ask people a couple of questions. Where do you work? What's your job title? How many years experience you've got? And paying it gives them what their salary could be, right? Mm. You know, and, that, you know, there's different angles. So you can produce lots of bits of engaging content potentially off the same tribe and hook. So that's how we did that. How did we market it? Well, we didn't go crazy on this, right? Because, you know, we, it, it's not, to be honest, Brighton SEO as a business isn't one that's driven by search traffic. It's driven by word of mouth um, and email marketing. And that's kind of how we promoted the the white paper, right? So we've got 3,700 3, or whatnot um, email addresses of people who are interested in SEO in the UK. So I knew that I could send an email out to them saying, here is a salary survey. And because the content was compelling enough that it was going to do pretty well off the back of that. And yeah, of course it did. But, you know, that was our marketing plan. And it was a simple one. It was an email one. Um, And that kind of goes back to a lot of the stuff about building a list being a good thing, having your own list of 
people it's good but mm. equally you know you, we could have pushed it through social media we could have done outreach we could have done press releases we could have done advertising but we had a marketing plan for it to do that and the evaluation this is the heads up here i didn't do as much of that as i should have done but we we know it did well it got you know it's the most tweeted page on um the brighton seo site of any of the pages that we've got on there we know that it's got links from some really reputable websites but we didn't really do that numerically so that was a flaw perhaps in this one but that's inevitably a kind of a cobbler's shoe type situation whereas sure. um you know we don't perhaps spend as much attention on our own individual projects as as we do some of our kind of client stuff but what i then should do is kind of understand okay well what what did work about that what didn't work well how can i improve upon that so perhaps lessons learnt there was the infographic was very good at showing some of the detailed complex relationships between like location and salary and in-house but it didn't make it perhaps as easy to say how am i underpaid right which i think was probably what people were wanting mm. from it so the evaluation was well maybe we could have set it up in a slightly different way to have made that a little bit clear now i think perhaps that might have ended up with headlines that didn't truly reflect the data which probably in the long run wouldn't have been a good thing but from a link building content marketing point of view might have done us a favor so yeah i mean basically um a couple of like final pro tips really to increase the likelihood of your content marketing working really well my first one is try and involve you know so we talked about the tribes potentially involve the people within those tribes in the process of producing the content so to give you an example um say you're trying to get travel bloggers to link to your guide that you're producing to um travel in new york now you could just write an amazing travel guide to new york and then tell them about it potentially there's also the other opportunity which is how about asking them some advice within that um or if you're producing a podcast rather than just you produce a podcast get the people who you want to link to your content to participate and contribute to that podcast mm. because then inevitably they've got an emotional attachment to it they're therefore more likely to approve it as well also kind of excellent isn't really enough anymore there's like there's loads and loads and loads of good content there's quite a lot of excellent content online but there's not a lot of kind of exceptional content and it's really the exceptional content that gets um you know the the most success and the most value from it and it's that kind of disproportionate reward that you get at the end of producing something exceptional when perhaps only you need a little bit more effort than excellent, but exceptional is really important as it's well. It's a bit like uh, the Olympics, isn't it? And yeah. the difference in the gold and silver is like you yeah. know, a billionth of a second, isn't yeah. it? But, yeah, but yeah, and, and it's that, yeah, exactly that. It's that kind of, a, a, yeah, they call it about like accumulation of marginal gains, don't they? Mm. And my final one really is to kind of realise that with content marketing that not every piece of content that you produce is going to be hugely successful and in fact actually sometimes kind of investing heavily in just one or two ideas can be really really risky right because there's there's an inevitable risk in this process and if you only do a couple of things even if you invest very very heavily in them they might not work so instead i kind of think a venture capital kind of content creation policy or philosophy is a good idea where it's a you can tell oh, we I, do apologize. I, I dropped my wallet then. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the kind of what I'm trying to get out there is be prepared that you should take lots of small risks, um, but they should be risky, if you see what I mean. So rather than making one or two big, relatively safe bets, that's not the approach to take with content. Mm. You're much better off taking a smaller, uh, sorry, a you know a, a wide variety, a large number of relatively small in terms of cost, mm. 
um, projects, but ones that you think if they do take off will do really, really well. And that's kind of how venture capital works. And that's an approach to take, I think, to your content production. And then it's kind of about agility as well, isn't it? It's kind of lean startup, mm. you know, agile, lean startup, venture capital. It's all that kind of approach and way of thinking about business, I think, can be applied very well to content as well. Good stuff. You're having a rest as he sits back and yes. has a rest. Have a drink, Kelvin. <laughs> Have a drink. He's having a drink. I apologise for Kelvin's creaky chair, by the way. It's, it's adding character Kelvin, to the... Kelvin's very animated when he talks. I can't help myself. I can't sit yeah. still. I'm a fidgeter. He does fidget. But yeah, hopefully that's kind of given you a sense of kind of, okay, I know I probably ought to be doing content marketing, but what do I do next? Think about the theme methodology. So that's tribes... Who are your target linkers? Who are your target social sharers? Hook, what's compelling about your business to that group of people? Then you go and produce the engaging content. And when you're producing engaging content, don't just do text or blog posts. And then market it. So you need a campaign. You need some ideas about what's going to take that content and get it to people. It's not just a case of if you build it, they will come, right? You need a marketing plan. And then finally, and this is important and the one that a lot of people, myself included, sometimes forget, evaluate it and learn from what's worked and been successful in the past. Fantastic stuff, Kelvin. So what's coming up in the next show? Okay, next show, I'm going to be talking about, and we've touched on this a little bit in the past, kind of behavioural economics, but I'm going to be talking about some of the kind of psychological tricks or, you know, ploys or approaches that businesses use to increase conversion rate, uh, conversion rates, so through conversion rate optimization. So I'm going to kind of talk about some particular examples and ones you can go off and look at their website. So because potentially it's like, okay, I know I ought to be testing my website to try and increase conversions, but what should I test? Well, hopefully, this next podcast um, will give you some good um, examples of things you could test based upon businesses who we know are doing conversion rate optimization and are being quite successful at it so you can kind of learn from their successes and their experiments that they've done in the past good stuff okay so we'll see you next time on internet marketing so goodbye from me andy white and goodbye from me calvin newman see you next time Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. If you're inside the UK, it's o one two seven three two five six one five zero. And you can leave a voice comment or question, and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. Mm-hmm.